Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's or at Justin Bizarro. And you can reach out to us on the phone number that's also on Instagram. You can text us if you have questions. If you're an entrepreneur in the food space, uh, whether it's CPG or consumer product goods, or a restaurateur or food truck or wherever you are um, or wherever stages you can reach out. Um, we can talk and see if you um, uh, want to be on the podcast. You can also send questions for the entrepreneurs and I will try to integrate them in as they're necessary into the podcast. So we can do that as well. With that being said, I have very special guests with us and this will be take two since I a little bit stumbled over myself today. So with that being said, I have Dustin Bradford and Kelsey Dillon of Mr. Tater in Las Vegas, Nevada. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? Very good. So tell us your story. You guys obviously didn't start off being potato, baked potato connoisseur entrepreneurs. Um, so where did you guys start off? Which sort of your stories and how did you end up with uh, uh, Mr. Tater's shop? Yeah, I've been, I've been in the food industry since I was 16 started washing dishes, busting tables, food running, the whole nine yards. Got really into um, being a chef and culinary arts and working the line and just like the kind of bond you build in the kitchen. So I've just worked around from anywhere from country clubs to, um, I mean, gastro pubs, um, simple concepts like sushi burrito, um, just a little bit of everything. Um, got an executive chef job when I was 22 and kind of just hit the ground running from there. So um, we, we just worked around, met Kelsey in, in Denver when we were working out there. She's from Vegas. I'm from Ohio. And we you know moved back to Ohio, did some stuff there, and then wanted to come back to Las Vegas and get started here. Uh, so we started working for a friend out here in Fast Casual Concept, and it kind of grew. We kind of spun off from him and did meal prep. And, um, we, and the meal prep led us to be working in a juice bar. It's called the Juice Box with now my business partner, Aaron. Um, we were doing juices coming out of COVID and doing meal prep with that. And we just were trying to create some more revenue. And so we had this little like turbo chef oven that we started doing these baked potatoes out of. And we launched this little third party like delivery, you know, with the third party delivery services, ghost kitchen. And it kind of just got like a traction and people started loving it. And now my and, potatoes. <laughs> yeah. With a, it started like, like, holy crap, we, this little oven is not enough to sustain this. So we kind of decided that's when we need to grow it. So Kelsey, what's your uh, what's your background? Um, I I also started in food when I was like sixteen, but I I went more like the fat uh, fast food like uh, small chains. Like I I did a Peter Piper pizza jobs. I worked for Starbucks. Um, I worked my way up at Carl's Jr. from the like dishwasher to the the biscuit maker and just kind of simple jobs. Um, I wasn't really entrepreneur focused until I met Dustin. Uh, and yeah, we we met in like 2016 at the, the sushi burrito place that he had started and just kind of moved on from there. We've been, been doing a lot of different. We've been working together since then. Um, actually, this weekend's our seventh anniversary. So we're kind of you know, it's the team that you know, we attack every project together. She actually does our, our social media and works in the kitchen for Mr. Tater, which is kind of cool. Very cool. So did the sushi roll thing work out? Is that still around? Or is it just like one of those things where it was on your way to Mr. Tater? It was on my way to Mr. Tater. It was someone else's business that I went and helped them get opened up. Um, I think the, the Denver location is actually probably closed now. But um, there's maybe one still going. But it's just, you know, one thing just oh, stepping actually, stones to get to the place. I lived in Denver for a long time. I actually might know that. I might. It sounds familiar, actually. Anyway. And um, it was Larimer Square. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so let's talk about, like, you decide you, you, you do a ghost kitchen. Like, how do you launch this? How do you go to market with this? What are the steps? Because, like... It, there's a lot of steps into getting something like this off the ground. How do you make sure the potato ships well? How do you make sure all the ingredients you get on it? Like, you've got a lot of moving pieces here that 
it's not really it seems simple because it's just a baked potato and i want to touch on the turbo chefs in a little bit but let's first talk about like the food how do you develop a menu like how do you make sure it transports well if it's a ghost kitchen well for for one desperate times call for desperate measures so coming out of covid and we just like there wasn't that that dispensable dispensable um like income people weren't buying all the meal prep that they used to and that kind of stuff so we had to create a ghost kitchen and it like we just like potatoes and that honestly it just started falling into place so easily because i've done a lot of stuff like from fine dining to the meal prep catering of you know hundreds and and just this was the easiest one because of how comfortable the food is and like when you're talking about transporting and stuff like that um the potato just retains heat so well we take we like open it up fluff the inside and it really holds and travels well and kind of the sauces marinate the potato a little bit better actually as it sets so it was just one of those concepts that really just i can't just fell into place so simply well and i agree like the potato like when it's heated up like that and you add ingredients onto it like a sauce if it's it'll actually start to start the starch coming out of the potato almost like makes the sauce better and it's true i agree with you a lot and i think the combination and what the potato does as a delivery system is pretty awesome and so Let's go back. So what do you feel from all your years of fine dining, the restaurants, um, both of you guys, what are sort of the things that you feel that you've been able to take? Like, what are the things, the bad experiences you're like, oh, that doesn't belong in this business? And what are the good experiences where you're like, okay, this belongs in Mr. Tater? Well, just attention to detail. It doesn't matter if you're doing, the, the, I mean, a street hot dogs. If you put attention to detail, a little bit of love, and care into the food and that's what i carried over to i treat each potato here like it's a steak you know like it's got the same love that goes into it and um that's just very important to us and i think one big thing is the that we've always tried to keep a positive energy and positive morale going so we we i've worked in kitchens that just suck to work in that were miserable so and that you're not going to get the best out of people when that's happening so i think that taking the dedication the, the positive atmosphere putting it all together it doesn't matter what kind of food we do, but that's how we'll take our approach. And I, I agree. Like I, I think that we we bring like a, a good mix of with like with his background, the the more fine dining and stuff, and then in the places that I would work, like you know, even just a, a Starbucks or a Carl's Jr. or something, I would try to make every every interaction with a customer like an experience that that was a big thing there like every every interaction is an experience you want them to go and talk about to someone else and and spread the word through you know we we really believe in word of mouth like yeah making everyone happy i agree with you uh kelsey and i agree with the positive thing also and both are just so true one of the things is the experience becomes the feeling i get it's not whether just the food was good or I enjoyed it, but what's the feeling I left with some emotional attachment I have to it. And you wanted that to translate like food is love. We break bread right together. That's a lot of our experiences together. And comfort food is a major part of that. It's simple. It's easy. You can buy a lot of it at a time. And people generally, most people enjoy it. So it's a win when you have like a group of people. So. Exactly. The positivity is is very important. So I want to narrow down. I'm going to really focus in on this because I think it's really important. And I've noticed about the way you guys do the branding. I can feel it from you guys when I talk to you. And it's just generally what's attracted out of the way we do this podcast. So how are you directly translating that to the employees? Like how are team members or whatever you call them? How do you make sure that they give the same love that you want to that potato like it's a steak? Well, the first, me and Kelsey are the kind of people we're going to set the standard ourselves. So we're going to do it ourselves and work next to these guys. And we're not better than anybody. We're going to get dirty. I'm going to clean the bathrooms if needed. I'm going to do what's needed. And then, and then once I show people this is how I want it, it's easier to get people to do that. Um, for one, um, positive morale. Every it comes down to to everything from the way if there's a mistake out in the front of the house, how they communicate it to the kitchen not like hey guys you forgot something it's like hey hey guys there's a mistake can we uh, can we fix this and can we get it out quicker just the approach that we take to our staff how we talk to them um we, we try to pay well you know and make people have 
you know, like can be able to live because if they can go home and take care of their stuff at home, they're going to come to work and appreciate being at work because their life is better at home. And with us working on the other end, uh, I, I say the other side of the, the line um, for so long, like we know what it's, what it's, what's necessary to be treated right. And we just take that and put it right into our employees. And that's really our like core value. We're still figuring them all out. But one of them is the way that we treat our staff. Like if, if they have a good idea, we we always listen and, and put it put it into action if it's a good idea. And as far as like calling them team members or employees or something, we we really refer to them as like family and right. try to treat them that way. Make them feel yeah, they, like they, they just, have a place to go. It is what um. I'm the kind of, we're kind of uh, owners. If there's something wrong, we fix it. We don't want to put band-aids on it. If they need a tool, we get them the tool. I know that's always been, you know, in, in this industry, you got owners sometimes that won't spend a dollar on everything, but expect it to come out. And, you know, you want, you want a perfectly pureed item, but you're not giving me the machine to do it. You know, so we just don't want to be that. So we're taking a lot of, of um, what, what we went through ourselves and put that into how we want our business to be. And so you mentioned core values, like obviously this is one of them, you treat them as family, you're investing in them, uh, which is also investing in your business and on your business, because word of mouth, as we talked about, doesn't only come from the clients and the customers, it comes from the the employees or the family members. And so what other core values would you guys describe that you're instilling into your business on a regular basis? Like, because I think it's very important. You guys are very composed individuals and maybe it's not always, but you've been doing this a long time, (laughs) but, and, um, but you have good energy and it's positive, even if it's not always. And so like, what are those core values you guys live by and lead by? I mean, right now we're still as for Mr. Tater, we're still figuring out what the core values are, but it starts with, with the, with the treatment of our staff and then just the, the, you know, setting, like making sure that everybody's taking care of each other, like the night shift and day shift aren't leaving each other hanging. It's just the camaraderie, the energy that we have in the, in the place. And then the consistency of the product, everything goes out perfect 95% of the time. Um, and that's because they just are passionate and care about it. And with us being a little bit outside of Vegas for our first standalone restaurant, it's a kind of a smaller community, um, not a ton of jobs. So we came came into town and we're like, you know, we're going to pay people a little bit better, a lot better than everybody else around here and then get the distribute the tips through the kitchen. So everyone's just just really appreciates coming to work. Like I have a guy, our kitchen manager, Eric, have to be like, hey, man, you can't you can't be here. You need to go home and spend some time with your family. Like it's just really weird how it's the positive is just attracting to this whole business right now. And I think that comes from our core values. And I don't know necessarily what they are. It might be better to ask someone looking looking outside in because we're still just figuring it out. I love this. So um, you mentioned that you have a second, you have two locations. Is that correct? Or you're opening a second location? Well, I was. We have, we have... Um, we have three operating right now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. One's a standalone inside of a casino uh, called the Gold Town Casino in Pahrump, Nevada, right outside of um, Las Vegas. Cool. And then we have two that are operating is like think of a ghost kitchen but glorified. Yeah. Because my my one business partner, um, Colton, uh, he came into he came into the picture by the, we were rolling out the potatoes in the juice bar and he's like that's cool that's simple and he happened to just own two bars in town. Um, and we started like doing the ghost kitchens out of there and it really blew up, like really blew up over a thousand dollars a day out of these potatoes that we thought were going to maybe do 200 bucks. Um, so wow. we, kind of, we kind of made it so that it's got a, a, a phys- or a, a footprint on Google as it's a standalone restaurant, but you go into his bars and then there's Mr. Tater menu or an aces, uh, menu. So we're doing that, and then we're opening up our th- our third one of those in Mesquite, Nevada, in two weeks. And then, so those are just glorified ghost kitchens that they pay us a franchise fee for. Then we have the um, Mr. Tater's Tater Shack in Goldtown Casino that we operate. It's a lot bigger kitchen, a little bit more real, isolated. and that's what took us to the next level from being ghost kitchen to actually seeing the, the you know the fine dining coming into it. Now we go backwards rebrand our other stuff as Mr. Tater Express because we've already set the standard so high for the Mr. Tater's Tater Shack. 
Ah, I like this. So you have like a simplified version, like almost if you were to go into more of like a convenience store setting or something like that, just for lack of a better term, or ghost kitchen or cloud kitchen that's how or it all started, man. dark that's, kitchen. That's, that's, that's how it all started with my, my business partner, Colton, um, wanted us to go into a convenience store he's opening up out here. And the convenience store was going to have seven gaming machines, right? And we were going to do food out of it. But we, we started testing and it was too big to go to the convenience store. So we would love one day to get into a gas station. That'd be the dream, you know. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah because I think it's a, it's a good, like, it's an easy food to go and it's the toppings are easy and, like, you've done it well. You can tell by the social we media a, and you care. We use a 35-40 um, count potato. And that's kind of, we're kind of, like, I think, the only people using those in town. And it's, it, it's, it's probably a pound and a half. So they're getting two meals out of no, it. So it's, it's a good, it's a, and it's a nostalgic, yeah. um, comfortable, almost two meals. And that's really what we wanted to be, you know, is just like done fine dining and charge, you know, $50 plates. We're past that. We want to feed everybody. We want everyone to be comfortable and, and just really just like have the feelings when you eat the food. And that's why our menu kind of reflects or try to reflect. Well, and it's portable, even though it's a pound and a half or up to a pound and a half, but it is portable for the most part. Like it's something that you can just use with a fork. You can take on the go, which is a lot of what food is becoming. It's less, we're doing a lot more in cities like Vegas, Nashville's one of them, um, Los Angeles, uh, even New York or even Europe has done this for years is it's like the grab and go food, but not grab and go eat somewhere else. It's like grab and eat as I go. And yeah. like you're seeing it with like um, walking tacos or whatever they're called, where they crumble up the chips and stuff in a bag, and then stuff goes in, and people eat it out of the chip bag, or um, you know uh, Chinese food to go, where they're mixing it in little boxes, and you're getting a mix, and then it's to go also style. And there's a lot of that walk on walk, walk on walk or something is what it's called in Europe. And there's these all these concepts that are really coming out like this, which is why I like this food and why I think. The convenience store, the express, the high traffic cities, the the areas where kids are drinking, or I should say, kids, adults also are drinking, where they can grab a potato on the way while they're walking home from the bar, or uh, yep. hopping into an Uber going home from the bar. I guess less people walk now. I'm dating myself probably a little bit because I like walking everywhere, and <laughs> um, and so it's just one of those things. So let's talk about what's on the menu. Um, what's the difference between an express and a regular since we talked about it? Like what's the menu differences? And then let's talk about what your most popular items are. Cool. So, so right now, um, the Mr. Tater Tater Shack has got, it's, it, it's in the casino. So we're open from 11 to, um, 8, 8 PM, 9 PM in the weekends. So we have some snacks like appetizers, uh, which are like loaded fries, uh, Mr. Tater's, Tater Skins, um, which are some super gourmet skins with barbecue chicken. Um, and then we have some big salads. We do some soups. We have, um, you know, 12 plus potatoes. And we have some mac and cheese. Our mac and cheese has been really popular, actually. It's kind of crazy. And then we do frozen lemonades. We do an ube frozen lemonade since, you know, the Japanese sweet potato. Um, do some desserts. And that's for the Tater Shack model. And then right now we're rebranding the, um, the Express model, which is just going to focus on eight of our top sellers and um, the mac and cheeses so that we can um, just, just simplify and streamline those a lot more and have the Tater Shacks themselves be more like kind of chef driven. And it's very cool. I like that what you did was that you um, you've got a you've got a test now. You know which items are going to rise to the top because you've already tested the marketing. You know which are the most popular, so it's easier to concentrate on those. And I'm assuming the yeah. ingredients are all pretty similar, so you're not having lots of different ingredients, but they all make sense. So, like. And you've started franchising a little bit. So how do you guys go around and train on this? Because this obviously is going to start getting momentum. So how, and you're trying to figure out the core values and the branding. So you're building as you fly. Like how are you starting to manage this? Because you, you're not only managing a store anymore, but you're actually expanding. Yeah, for, for like right now, the, the franchises are in my business partner's bars. So that makes it really easy to work with. You know what I mean? We're not, it's super easy um, there. Um, we built, we got the prompt store launched as our flagship, 
so from now now going forward everybody comes through we do our training in the prompt location just because it's so massive the kitchen's huge it's, it's just it's beautiful um and then to, to when we started the two aces aces mr taters now we mr tater express we just me and kelsey just went in there worked with their team during the rushes and just for a couple days and it was just such an easy concept that they just picked it up real quick and they've ran fit i think aces West Mr. Tater's like 4.4 stars on Uber, which is like to me, like that's crazy. And then we had to do a lot of caterings over the summer, so we were like there kind of showing them in like 60 potatoes at a time, but that, that got a lot of the training out of the way, kind of. It also helped that my business partner, Colton, his family likes to eat, eat at their mm -hmm. bars a lot, so they would tell him if things were, were not correct, and then they we could adjust like on the fly. So the, the concept, like I said, it just it, it attracted the positivity. It, it's attracted, like it attracted our business partners. It attracted the, the our business partners' families. Really started to love it. Once that starts to build up, it's just like everyone's looking out for you now. Every location, it's just it's, I, that's something I've never seen before, man. Honestly. And now that we have you seen it for anyone else you worked for? Oh, sorry, Kelsey. But have you seen it for anyone else you worked for? Um. Yes, absolutely. I have. I have one of the one of the places in Columbus we opened up just had that momentum, had that vibe, had the positivity, and yeah. So that's I mean that trans. You know, I, yeah. I think we did like five million the first year there out of oh. like twelve by twelve kitchen managed the wood fire oven. Really yeah. So we, we you know we um, that was we learned how to create the the buzz and to create. The, the 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 people you know the attachment that people have and then to take care of them so i tran i took that from 10 years ago and, and put it to our little qsr quick service concept cool and i'm sorry kelsey what were you going to say uh it kind of leads with that too uh just with uh like training our our staff now since this is the the first time that we've had like the not just the bar size kitchen we have like a, a full casino kitchen with all the equipment we could possibly want and um, just actually like going through the the steps of service for the first time in like a, a real restaurant it's it's given us the chance to like get our get our employee book together and all the all the standards and everything that we we couldn't have figured out out of the bar until now so It'll be a lot easier for our future locations to have the, the like training standards in place and kind of just copy and paste after this. Yeah, absolutely. So, what the ghost kitchens? What are their hours? Are they open longer? Like, I understand the kitchen being in the casino, like serving food, but do you go longer in the ghost kitchens because it is Vegas and they do go twenty four seven? Yeah, we operate um, later. We go till like eleven, ten, eleven o'clock there. And we're actually starting to go to a model um, in a couple weeks where, because you know Vegas is open 24 hours and his bars have a lot of gaming on the graveyard shift. So we're going to take these deconstructed potatoes and then they're going to like rebuild them for the night shift. Like think about like sitting in a cooler, having a turbo chef. They're going to go back to what we originally started doing on the graveyard shift, which is in, it's going to not have to have them have a cook at night so the bartender can actually do these potatoes you know three or four um potatoes that's it so it's kind of weird like we're going backwards we went forward to go backwards but we'll be elevating the the eight potatoes the, that we're focusing on yeah yeah what's your guys favorite potato each that you guys make mine's the philly for sure because we take, you know, we take the the whole lip on uh, ribeye, we cut it down and we slice it fresh. Um, we make our own whiz. Um, I'm, I'm I'm definitely gonna say the Philly. I'm not sure about Kelsey. Uh, that's a hard one, but I would have to go with the pulled pork, which we just started at the Pahrump location, and it's got. Uh, it, it's kind of how the idea started for us, at least. Like we had, uh, we had baked potatoes at home one night that I made with pulled pork and beans and stuff and so that's pretty much what this one has it's got barbecue sauce beans the pulled pork and then we uh fry some like crispy onion strings fresh and top it with a chicharron and some green onions and 
it it's it's very uh, Instagrammable. <laughs> Just seeing people's faces when you drop it off on the table. Wow. Well, and I think that's part of the experience now, right? If the, it's not only do you have good food, but is it is it able to have a photograph taken on a phone? I mean, I think you have to think about that as entrepreneurs now. I think it's part of your business model. And when food's only 10% of it, it is because there's the delivery system now. There's the photography that you have to worry about. There's people with Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever they're going to do with it, which you have no idea who's a blogger and who's not a blogger anymore and all of those things. So it's like just acting at a certain high level of quality that you guys are talking about all the time. Make sure you take care of all of that. What do you enjoy the most about this? Like, what do you enjoy the most about food and being entrepreneurs? With food, it goes back to kind of what you said earlier about breaking bread. Food, I got into this business because I love how food brought people together. And then, like, I got into the business and I started working in the kitchen. And it's just like banding banding a group of misfits together and expecting awesome results. And I really love that. Just people from all walks of life, you can get into the kitchen. And if it's the right atmosphere in that kitchen, it's really cool to see what you can get out of people. And I kind of just, like, loved that about the business along with the food food was just fun you know you can impress people when you're younger like ooh, look at i look at i can do these jobs and this is a country club chef people always coming in and want to see something new and have you cook something special and i i really love that and um that's really where the love of the food came from yeah the same same with me food food has always just been like like love and family and a lot of Good memories are just focused around food for me growing up and uh, just kind of fell into it but uh, as a as a career but um, just making people happy and then I, I moved ar- around a lot after high school and like he said like just being on a good team and like when you when the, the flow is good and, and the energy is good it's like it, it it's becomes a family and, and I, I've always loved that about food and working in the industry and stuff. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you guys, um, I wonder if either one of you played any sports growing up because I'm going to anchor this for a second, just because I wonder, just because there's so much dynamic in what you guys are talking about at sports or it does come from also being entrepreneurs or growing up in businesses where you actually are serving tangible items, where there are tangible goals that you can accomplish. And so I think that that's there too. But I think in families or in people that they they tie sporting events and even in this podcast as we're talking about like what is it that we ain't like who are the people that support us and and what do we want supporting us okay sports teams and families that are around like food because that's building family values or business values or whatever we want to talk about in in any way no matter what the family looks like however it's combined and it's like those type of things in the breaking bread so it's like it's a very interesting conversation. So have you guys played sports growing up? Uh, sports is my other life besides uh, Mr. Tater. Okay, let's talk about yeah. that. Or, but how about you, Kelsey? Uh, I, I dabbled in sport. I mean, I've, I've tried a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I was into like dance in high school, but cool. nothing really, really stuck. I'll, I'll let him, him Go- take the sport. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Dustin. So, I mean, I just, uh, I've grown up, I'm born in Cleveland, grew up a Browns fan, Indians fan, um, just been, played baseball growing up, um, always been, and played basketball in my free time with my buddies. It's just like what we did growing up. Um, and I take literally every, every approach and everything that we do business-wise pretty much as what I learned in sports and team goes the furthest. You know, and you're you're not losing if you have a bad coach because the morale's down. Like, there's just so much that you can take from sports and put into life for one. And definitely, definitely, definitely the kitchen. Let's dive into this a little bit more because I like this. Like, you have a very good philosophy and you have a very good temperament. So, you obviously play team sports. So, like, when you're, like in your kitchen like how do you coach your team like if you like similarity i don't know how to draw parallels but if you could help me draw a parallel for the audience of you being an athlete and a sports person and then drawing that parallel into your business like specifically with an example 
um, so I don't I, know one. So I think for uh, this is just a this is like off the top of my head. Me, such a sports buff, but like if you hear about how Pete, how Pete Carroll, the coach of the the Seattle Seahawks, treats his uh, players, he never is negative to them. He will he he's positive, 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 positive positively reinforce them, build them up is like his philosophy. And I just think that's really the, the way to treat people in life in general and a hundred percent at work. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think it's that simple to, you know, I can, I'm a talker and I can go into points and it's part of what I get, you know, part of what I do. And so it's like, the thing about it is that if you're just positive in general, like one, you attract business, it's a law of the tracks, especially if you put that positivity into your food or into your business, if you're just another entrepreneur in the food space or supporting the food space or an entrepreneur in general. The positivity being the defining factor of being an entrepreneur is, I agree, it doesn't, there's nothing without it. And then when it comes to athletics, why there's, there's three categories of people that I put in the same place. It's professional athletes, it's entrepreneurs, and it's musicians, okay? And here's why. All of them, and maybe artists in a way, but it's just not the same drive. There's not the same teamwork. There's not the same whatever. There is the creativity. So I put the three in the categories because it is a hustle, because it is constantly acting in a team. It is constantly orchestrating, whether it's a musician and trying to organize gigs and get popular and hustle or it's an entrepreneur trying to hustle and get money and get their food sought or their their concepts sought or an an athlete who's just hustling and trying to build his personal brand and get paid so maybe he can be an entrepreneur you know in life or whatever or a broadcaster or whatever so there's these like compounding things that have to happen in order for you to be successful but in order to be successful in any one of those three like above average which means you're actually making an effort at doing it, means that you have to combine so many things together. And positivity is truly one of them because if you don't have it, the businesses don't do well over the long run. It's not like everyone says like every two years. No, like the positivity thing, if you don't ingrain it in your business properly, it'll catch up with you decades later, especially if you're doing revenue well. And it's so important that it's ingrained and planted into your business from day one. And you can see it if you don't actually focus on a lot of businesses do lose in that short time period, but it's just not the defining taker out at the beginning. Like you need to build hope and positivity, but everyone sort of automatically gets it at the beginning of a business because it's new. And so like, that's just one of the things. So I love that you're focused on, I love that you're tying the athletes in the positive environment because I agree also in food service or coaching as an entrepreneur, you're dealing with populations that have come from harder backgrounds. Um, Their ability to handle things and their ability to need a safe place to grow and thrive, not be comfortable, but be slightly uncomfortable in a safe environment where they can thrive without the hardships that existed in or exist in their outside life. It's very important. We get to create that as entrepreneurs, not just creating jobs, which is important also, but we're creating these lifestyles or this safety or these ability to create a space where someone can fulfill their dreams, potentially, even if it's just a stepping point towards it. And so let's talk about how do you get fulfillment every day? How do you guys feel? What what are the days that you feel good? What are the days you don't feel so good? Like, how do you drive your fulfillment as entrepreneurs because i feel your energy so i think it's a good question i think uh fulfillment just comes from just seeing everything get better every day and it doesn't need to be leaps and bounds every day but just a little progression every day and that's if one of our line cooks is getting better every day at remembering the toppings that go on there now just progress 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 i think if we progress just a little bit every day it keeps everybody happy instead of going backwards because we don't want to go backwards. That's when negative starts happening. Um, I think that's some days we progress huge and some days we progress just a little bit. And that's what I, I try to keep going every day. Yeah. I, uh, I, I feel fulfilled when I leave and see people happy in the, in the, in the front and the back house. <laughs> right. And people that now, like we're getting to this point where we've been opened up a little bit longer, people are starting to take charge and to actually like, other people are starting to love our brand as much as we love our brand. 
and that's pretty fulfilling. <laughs> okay. So just let's it all, all come together and especially just it's it's kind of been a whirlwind over the, the last year. So it like I I felt fulfilled when we were I mean selling two hundred dollars out of the juice bar and I felt fulfilled when we opened the the first uh, the the first ghost kitchen and or out of the Aces bar and I I I felt fulfilled when when this all finally opened but I I think it's nice that just we we we're still always looking for the the next thing and the, it just feels so exciting still because it's it's only technically been like a year yeah definitely well and so. How did you come up with the name, the and and I mean and nope. logos sure. and design? Yeah, how did you guys come up oh. with the name? How did you come up with the design? And how did you sort of, um, you know, bring it all together? I mean, because it is you have all you haven't been around that long, but I would say you found success. And it's like we talk about this a lot. It's lightning in a bottle, but it came from years of experience. So, how did you come up with the name? Um, and then let's also talk about where do you want this to go as entrepreneurs? Like, where's your hope for the future? So the, the name came up, we came we wanted to kind of be comfortable, but kind of cheesy with it too. Like, and you want, we wanted to have a hipster potato with some swag and we came up and we created like a, um, my partner, Aaron created a, um, a logo that we got rolling with. And then I found this guy on Fiverr. His name is Eichsen. He is now a, a, an employee of ours, and I found him on Fiverr. And he, him, him, and I were on the same page, and he hit it out of the park. And now he's on our on our team, on our payroll, and a huge, huge, huge part of where we're at today. Biggest contributor. Yeah. So that's interesting. I I use ninety nine design, so I'm right on the same page as you are. Yeah. Um, and I have like set artists that I use because I do a lot of design work and I experiment a lot with stuff. And uh, I'm like, I experiment a lot with branding and stuff like that or different ideas and concepts. Some, a lot of them don't even come to fruition because I just don't have the time. I just try to keep active in my mind sometimes. And, um, but I like this because it does tie in with the whole point of those sites are they are stepping stones to something greater, whether it's entrepreneurial or it's working for an entrepreneur or a company. And I think that that's really good that we highlight that, whether it's 99designs or Fiverr. I can't, I believe that's what it's called. I When I was looking at them, I remember looking at both and I don't know why I chose one or the other. I can't remember. But it's just one of those things where we have all these things that make things so easy and getting a business off the ground and all these things that are fingertips and social media. So if you guys were to talk about what you learned or wrap it up in a nutshell, you could go back and tell yourselves something 10 years ago before this all took place or to anyone who's trying to be an entrepreneur, what would that be? Um, I would say learn every step of the way, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, you know, just, and always just believe that whatever you want to do, you can do it. You have to build a bridge and you have to build, start from one side and then on the other and meet in the middle. And then if you can have an idea and you can figure out, here's where I want to be, here's where I'm at and figure out how to build that bridge. That's just, just keep working and building that bridge. If it's one, one step at a time or one, one plank at a time and, and eventually it'll all come together when it's supposed to come together. And so are you hoping that this franchises into other concepts? Are you looking for franchisees? I mean, let's, I mean, where does this go from here? Like, I think that that's like, you're really only a year old, but there's so much ripe opportunity in this concept. We're in a pretty good city to, 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 to grow, I think. And um, close enough to LA that we could grow. I think our next step is really to tighten up, you know, inside internally and tighten up. And um, and to get into some more casinos out here, so those are pretty pretty. You know, I'm getting to the right spot with a lot of foot traffic. That's definitely where we want to go. Definitely want to sell some franchises down the road. Yeah, so we're trying to. We've got. We don't even know right now. You know? <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. We're gonna. We're gonna. It's just. It's been one of those things where it's just been. 
it's been naturally evolving and I don't necessarily want to stop that. Yet. Yeah. 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 Organic growth is a good way to grow. And, and by being positive, it creates opportunities for you and you want to walk through those doors right now, especially at the beginning, because it builds your whole future. And like you've started to figure out what items are worth scalable, you know, you've dimed down some things without getting rid of your original concept in order to scale them, you know, those eight items. And I think that that's really important as an entrepreneur that you guys know that that's one of your successful points and that it's really one of the things that I've learned in scaling businesses and going into the hundreds of millions of dollars in volumes of food and, and processing of food and all of that is that that's what it's really about. Look at the things that you do well and dime them down and scale them. And maybe you don't make the same margin percent wise on those items potentially down the road because you're having to just move more volume and you make way more money on volume than you do selling them off. But you can stick to quality. You can stick to high products, but you're just picking the items you can win at and you're diming them down, meaning not necessarily the quality or the product, but necessarily I just don't have 12 of them or 20 of them. And exactly. so that's what I'm talking about. It's not diming down to lessen the quality. It's diming it down so I can focus on putting out the still the highest quality, but just do less items. And I think that that's one of the things you guys are doing really well also. Uh, the Instagram is outstanding. Um, I like the way you guys are looking at the potatoes and all the different ingredients. So can you just quick give me four potatoes we talked about the barbecue and the cheesesteak but give me four of your other ones with all the toppings i saw one with like it was maybe an italian potato and it had marinated veggies on it or something i can't remember exactly but like what are the different ones or and you're welcome to name everyone if you want um that's no, the, totally the up to you the one you're referring to is the chicago and that one that's the like our huge potato and we'll we uh, season that with our tater spice and that's going to have like a, a roast beef, almost like a pot roast, mozzarella cheese. It's going to um, have spicy jardinera, and it's going to be served with a little cup of au jus. So you can kind of dump it over, marinate it into the potato, a nice fluffy potato. Uh, Instagram shot of the poor. Yeah. and um, Down south. We got it down south, yeah, which is a, it's a huge potato topped with, with our crispy chicken. So we bread and we marinate and bread our chicken to order or we marinate it, not to order, but we bread it and fry it to order. Um, and then we got some braised greens gravy. Um, we got a we make our own hot sauce called Mr. Tater's hot sauce. And that gets a little bit of that, some onion straws. And this thing is huge. The box doesn't like to close on it. Made for Instagram. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Another fan favorite has been the jalapeno popper um, tater. And that's like, we made this like a Cajun cream cheese that we do our with our house made queso onion straws um we roast jalapenos and put it on there and then we put like a jalapeno popper for uh for the garnish that one's been been pretty cool i don't know kelsey you want to talk about some favorites um another really popular one is the carne asada it's the big tater with uh we we actually make our own marinade for the what kind of it's a, we use a terrace major cut so uh we make our own marinade hand cut all that um grill that off and then uh, got the queso and then we we do our own like house-made pico de gallo and guacamole that we make fresh every day and then you get like the little bit of cotija um that one's really really popular um let's see the the mammal style is uh don't tell nobody <laughs> we'll, we'll play off a in and out if you want it's got like the the ground beef and Thousand Island and um, we make our own like house grilled onions. Oh, that sounds delicious actually. It is real good. And then we actually um, offer that one as a loaded fry also. And... I, love that. I like that one a lot actually. The, poot the poutine tater is kind of fun, man. It's like it's French fries tossed in gravy and mozzarella on top of a potato with cheese curds. That one. That one's, <laughs> that, that one's that's like that's the best. <laughs> Um, and then what else? They're, they're all real popular. Uh, I mean, they're, they're hard to teach. The, the buffalo chicken, we, we have the, the hand breaded chicken strips that we do that we toss in our, um, our buffalo sauce. So we make with our own house, uh, house hot sauce. And then we top it with like ranch, blue cheese, celery, green onion, and cilantro. And that's, yeah. 
that's just some of our well so let's go back to what you were talking about i was hoping you guys were going to touch on this because i kept trying to circle the menu a little bit because this is the difference i think i don't want to because when everyone hears like mr tater they i don't want them to think like canned cheese like i don't want them to think like your microwaved potato because a turbo chef is not exactly a microwave it's an oven it's just speeding up the process and so it's like and it's using multiple technologies at once to ensure like quality and like just like rationale does with their ovens if anyone's out there listening in in combo of steam and heat and many of other combos <laughs> and so um so let's talk about why from scratch how did you how do you come up with the recipes um who does it how does this creative process take place when you guys are creating new taters or new fries like how do you guys go about doing this and how did you do it from the beginning so from the beginning we start we had the turbos chef now we're on to you know bigger better full full grown kitchens but so at first was how do we what what do we have in house that we can put on these potatoes that we don't have to bring much more product in and um it, like we just started we sat down at a table and decided what sounds good and then we're like you know let's let's just use this potato as a vessel like a burrito or like a or whatever and we can put anything in it and then we started just like what sounds good and like oh chicago one sounds pretty good because that's chicago you know hot dog sound is great <laughs> so we kind of just all threw our, our ideas in um we do everything from scratch though like we make everything uh, bringing the fine dining side with that and yeah just paying attention to every every ingredient that goes on to it yeah everything we use is quality we don't do anything cheap. We don't want it. We want it to be chef driven. You know, all the ranches made from scratch. The mac and cheese sauce made from scratch. Um, yeah, ribeye hand shaved, hand marinated. So that's really where our emphasis goes. To. Yeah. So I love this. It's handmade everything, baked potatoes or potatoes of any sort, sweet potatoes, French fries, yep. tater skin. Yep, we even do. We even do like a, a a jackfruit that we do a vegan tater. And, you know, we smoke the jackfruit. So we treat we everything we do. We just treat it with, like I said, going back to that love. Yeah, because so you're you're oh God, this is incredible because I think the making from scratch is so important and you're creating your own recipes. You're not relying on someone else. You don't have to rely on whether Cisco has the skew in. You just need to worry about whether you can get all the ingredients and the ingredients can pretty much you can get. And so it's it's that it's it's incredible. So for your satellite locations are you centrally producing then and then bring it to your ghost kitchens or they're also making everything from scratch what we did is we made it so that it's pretty easy to do so there everybody's doing it in-house and um fortunately we've they've done really really good at, at doing it i mean like amazingly how yeah, they take it serious again like i said everyone just cares about what they're pr- producing i think that they know that they're like part of building the brand right now That's we true. try to make them like know that they're they're working with us on this. So. Well, and I think in an era where everyone's trying to take shortcuts or find a hack, producing everything from scratch and uh, something as traditionally everyone perceive as simple as a baked potato um, or French fries or potato skins or whatever else that we're talking about, uh, the salads, the soups, whatever, that making it from scratch is the harder way to do it but it's you get higher quality you control the experience you control the flavor profile you you're able to meld flavors together on the food that you're trying to mix it with better and so i really like how much this experience is like it seems like a simple concept but actually the delivery of it is extremely complicated it takes a lot of teamwork because you're talking about a lot of items that you guys are making from scratch every day so how many uh family members do you guys have i guess would be the way to put it uh so actually my brother i got my brother my brother's the gm and then we got 17 17 members yeah oh, there we go yep at the main yeah, so that's, uh, that's that's that was with the front of the house as well. I'd say we, we scaled back a little bit since we've opened up. So I'd say around twenty. Cool. And that's like people that are so that have hundred percent bought in. Like there's not even someone that's ninety eight percent bought in. Like everyone that's there is hundred percent bought in, which is amazing. I love this. And I love that it's so many and it's created so many jobs and it's building dreams and they all believe in what you guys are doing and 
it's been less than a year and you've been able to concrete and anchor this with the right core values, the, the attention to sports, uh, Kelsey's background of, of food in a different sense than yours, and then agreeing that there has to be the quality and not to skim away from it for profit or for easeability or worrying about whether the employees are going to grasp making something from scratch. You know, we often discount would be the word I use people's intelligence or ability to be smart and learn things instead of giving them hardship and ownership and discomfort so they can do things like making things from scratch we often try to make it easier for them that's the wrong answer we know we're also doing is shortcutting their ability to achieve their dreams oh why because we're not giving them any practice at making small steps or looking at something and building something from scratch and turning it into something great that's how you get dreams done, guys, is turning it into small tasks and stacking them up until they become a dream, no different than a recipe. That's why I like food. I use a visionary thread and say sewing a blanket because my visionary thread is like everything I do to try to simplify my life by doing just one thing. You know, that's why TV doesn't really exist in my life. It doesn't really get me anywhere. And so one of the things that I'm, I like about this is that you're teaching everyone not only to build from scratch, the importance of putting love into the food, the importance of being surrounded by food and family, but also that these skills over time actually teach us and build the habits and condition us as humans to achieve our dreams. And that's important for everyone to know and with positivity. I, I, I think our, like our mac and cheese is 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 like surprisingly popular and i think it's because the staff members get to make it and they love it because they make it and then they tell their family like we, i made this at home it is the best mac and cheese and then it's that's that's how oh, spreading like wildfire word of mouth like under the surface of who we're actually trying to market to so it's just it's pretty cool and just yeah that's my fulfillment man right there's my fulfillment <laughs> seeing that kind of stuff well and we're talking and, oh go ahead kelsey oh and and just like uh, knowing that the employees want to grow with us. Well, yeah. Yeah, because you'll create opportunity for them as you guys grow organically. It'll organically happen for them too, and their dreams will feel like they're organically happening, but it's really because you guys are building a dream big enough to fit all of their dreams into it. And you're not, and it's not financial. Let's just talk about that. The financial part is the trophy. That's what you win when you win a championship and things go well. The wins and the fulfillment, and it's why I asked the fulfillment question. I haven't asked it before on the podcast because you guys, I feel that the energy we could anchor that for the audience because it is about the fulfillment of doing things and then setting that fulfillment standard the next day. Or if I'm an athlete, I just because I won today doesn't mean I win tomorrow. Okay, and just because I won one second ago probably means I need to start focusing on winning again one second ago. And so that's the type of thing that I like about you guys. Um, and I went down kind of a rabbit hole here. But I think all of it is just so important what you're instilling. And did you want to say something, Dustin, on, on that note? Oh, no, no. You're... Yeah, because I, I think... Mean, I don't what, remember. No, it's all good. But I think what we're doing is, like, we open up our minds. Like, everyone has to realize that lobster was once something that we served to prisoners because there was such abundance off our coast. Okay, and yeah. we didn't, it wasn't a luxury item. And then, you know, someone figured out, hey, I like this. I ate it all the time, probably in prison. Let me open a restaurant and I'm going to spruce it up. And the rest is history. It probably happened, something like that. Or some chef or, or busboy in the prison that was messing with was like, oh, I can take this food. It's really cheap because everyone's just giving it away because the lobster was once cheap. And we do this. So, we got to, the constructs of our mind, the current constructs of our mind doesn't mean that those constructs stay in everyone's minds forever. Those constructs are created by society or current times or the times before those current times, which is known by your rear view mirror, which is smaller than your windshield. Okay, yep. so that's the type of things that we're talking about here when we're talking about what's going on here. While they're keeping mind, Kelsey and Dustin in their rear view mirror and what happened, it's small in comparison of how big the windshield is and where they're going. And because of their experience, the windshield is was first doing everything from scratch. And it's huge because if you look backwards, everything in their life would have probably told them not to do that. 
who've been like, oh my God, simplify it. Don't mess with the employees. How many mess ups did you have? How many owners lost control of their concept because they were working too, too much in their business versus on their business because they complicated things with too many items. But you guys have seemed to make it work because you've focused on giving an experience and the quality of food, but not overdoing it. It's not like you're also doing steaks and, and, and fried chicken wraps just because you do fried chicken. Maybe you are in the main concept, but not in the express. And I think that that's, um, one of the things that I like about you guys. Um, so, Hmm. I'm going to let you guys close it off. Um, where can they find you guys? Where can they get the expresses, um, when they're in Las Vegas, like how do they find you guys? We, we can um, find us at uh, www.mrmistertater.com. That's mrtater.com. Um, the express models are located in Aces Bar and Grill. We have one in Henderson, Nevada, one in Southwest Las Vegas, soon to be coming to Mesquite, Nevada in Wedgies. And then we have our uh, flagship here in Pahrump, Nevada, about 40 minutes outside of, of Las Vegas. And then at Mr. Dot Tater on Instagram, M-I-S-T-E-R dot T-A-T-E-R. That's a good place to see um, all, this, uh, all the stuff we're doing daily and kind of see where we're, where we're going to go. <laughs> yeah, I was blown away. I'm like, what is going on here with these potatoes? <laughs> Like, and it's one of the things, and it's, I love this, what's going on with food right now. Like, we see chicken in a waffle cone instead of chicken, with a spin on the tradition, chicken and waffles. And again, it's a handheld food that we're traveling with. Like, this is really cool, guys. We're starting to see a lot of tourism and travel where people are eating on the go. Las Vegas is one of them. Nashville, like I said, New Orleans, Miami. You know, beach towns were already kind of like that, but we need to make it more to go friendly in the hand also, which is one of the things that I love about doing this podcast. We're talking about delivery, but we're also talking about on the to-go, and I'm not eating it at my home. I'm eating it as I'm going. So it's not like it's to-going and to-go now. And so, like, we need to just start to look at that because if you're in a major metropolitan place like Las Vegas, which is why I wanted to do this podcast, which is why I wanted to attach to them, it's not just like a simple baked potato in a street cart, okay? We're talking about high-ended, like, really high-quality for the normal price that it should be potatoes here, okay? Like, the amount of food you get related to the price, which also was like, whoa, these guys are really focused. They're not trying to make it what it's not. They're taking a good food, a comfort food, and they're adding these high-ended items to it and these from-scratch items to it because it matters, because that's the way it should be done. Just because it's a potato doesn't mean it should be shortcutted, you know? So, I love this. Um, Yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, thank you guys, and I'm definitely going to have you guys back on in a couple months because I want to hear how your story continues because it's already gone so far in the last year. So, um, we look forward to that. Absolutely. If you anyone in the audience, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you go yourself through podcasts. You can find us at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. If you like what we're doing. If you like the story, please share it with other entrepreneurs. Please also just share it in general. Help these entrepreneurs. They're taking their time. They're giving. They're paying forward, I guess would be the best term to put it. They're putting stuff out there to help future entrepreneurs so they have the same opportunities in life they had, but even maybe more fast forward. Because I can tell you starting successful businesses in a year now because of everything we have, because the ability to take our experience and then turn it into a business is the greatest opportunity there ever has been because it never it wasn't that easy for me 24 years ago or even 12 years ago. So even when the social media was there, we weren't able to capture it like we were now and be able to use it to actually capture lightning in a bottle. We actually had to build the bottles before, for lack of a better term. And so um, I think that's important. And, and anyone who's scared and in the United States or in a first world country that has free markets, you shouldn't be scared. That's why I'm starting to branch into countries like Palestine. They have a lot of other dynamics going on in their world that they have to weigh in in addition to just being an entrepreneur that we have in a free market. They have economic conditions, currency conditions, family conditions, political conditions that are nightmares. And so one of the reasons I'm doing this is because it's to supercharge the opportunity 
the entrepreneurs who have greater opportunity because it's true, but it's also to give hope to the ones in those countries that there is entrepreneur opportunity at the other side of this for our future generations, just like there was in the United States if we stay true to our core values and building entrepreneurial values into our future generations. And so, which is free markets, capitalism, freedom, liberty, pursuit of, I wouldn't say happiness, I would say pursuit of a joy would be probably a better term or purity, um, even though pursuit of happiness is what we use. But I think Mm -hmm. happiness should be careful because we don't want to be comfortable. And so because if we get too comfortable, we get lazadaisical and then you don't have joy. And so there's that. So I just want to be careful on that. But it is why I'm doing this. It's why we're doing the podcast. It's why the entrepreneurs are sharing their story to take it full circle is to pay it forward. So share it. Thank you guys for listening in and we're out.